your host for Conversations with Classic Boats, the podcast that talks to boats. Thank you all for listening in today. It's a very special day. It's the day I get to give back, and I'm delighted to do so. When we launched Conversations in 2020, we did it with the encouragement of two special individuals at the Mystic Seaport Museum, John Urban and Chris Freeman. They were a popcorn popper of ideas and took me into the mystical storeroom of the seaport where hundreds of watercraft slumber. And when I got a call from Chris Freeman asking me if I would consider doing a podcast for an upcoming show, I jumped at the chance. And so here we are. We have a very special series of episodes in this series working with the Mystic Seaport Museum. It's all about storyboats, the tales they tell, a new exhibit debuting May 28, 2022. And we have a new Conversations with Classic Boats sponsor to introduce. You know the conversation's rule. Customer goes first. It's the Gallery Group, a division of risk strategies, one of the nation's leading yacht insurance agencies. Gallery Group is Mystic Seaport's longtime insurance partner. The Gallery Group. Visit them at gallery.com. Now to the subject of our current episode, Storyboats, the tales they tell. It's about boat tales, and it's about the many ways they come and go to sea. Melville said it in Moby Dick on page one. Quote, some years ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse, and nothing particular to interest me on shore, I thought I would sail about a little and see the watery part of the world. That's the spirit of this episode. Great boats, including small boats, make great stories. From the days of the Greeks, stories traveled by water. Jason and the Argonauts, the Trojan War, Aeneas, iconic small boats, and the stories that launched them. That is the subject of Mystic Seaport Museum's, and I'll call it MSM for short, new exhibit opening in the Collins Gallery of the magnificent Thompson Exhibition Building on the Seaport campus. This is an exhibit after my own heart. It speaks to boats and they talk back. It is the brainchild of MSM Senior VP of Curatorial Affairs, Christina Conant-Brophy, who enlisted the entire museum community to put on this show. We salute Carter Gallery and his team for getting behind this innovative new look at iconic small boats. Gallery Group is the sponsor of the opening night event for Storyboats. And Huzzah, sponsor of the podcast for Storyboats. That's us. Shout out to Gallery and Windcheck Media. They're a great team. See the article on Storyboats in the May Windcheck magazine and on the website. You're listening to part one of the episode that we put together for Storyboats. Come back for part two, which posts after the exhibit opens Saturday, May 28th. Now let's meet our distinguished guest and head of curatorial affairs. Sounds intriguing, right? Christina Brophy came to the Mystic Seaport Museum at the end of 2020. Remember, we were in the teeth of a pre-vaccine viral surge. The museum had staged a groundbreaking Turner watercolor exhibit, which wound up early in 2020. That exhibit was gangbusters. 
Then COVID hit. The seaport, like all museums, missed its public terribly and innovated mightily to get to the light at the end of the tunnel. Storybooks is a true MSM collaboration which touches every corner of the mystic community. And who is Christina Conant Brophy? Christina is a water rat who got her sea legs on the St. George's School exploration vessel, banding turtles and inspecting sea critters. She passed through academia on three continents, ending up in Valencia, Spain, for her PhD. At the New Bedford Whaling Museum in the 2010s, she curated 30 exhibits, including those of such maritime characters as Starling Burgess, a Stanford White of American yacht designers, and Ray Hunt, whom we have profiled as the godfather of the Boston Whaler. When I talked to her, she was connecting on Zoom by phone in the Mojave Desert. She was land sailing her compact land yacht, the Blowcart, one of the few craft that I know which conveniently comes apart to fly as check luggage. She had a vision early in her tenure of an exhibit that would draw from what I call the old curiosity shop of Mystic Seaport Museum. That is the collection of small watercraft housed on the east side of the street in a low, immense brick structure across from the main grounds of the seaport. It's called the Rossi Building. I've been a guest there half a dozen times, and in the archives housed there, doing research for the podcast Hickman Hunt and the American Runabout. Our current episode, along with three or four others of the Conversations with Classic Boats episodes, draw directly from the contents of the building that morphed from an operating velvet weaving plant to a watercraft toy store. A couple of my favorite long biographical sentences. One, quote, brought up living aboard St. George's semester at sea vessel, tagging sharks and turtles. And a very mysterious entry, which we won't ask you to explain. Quote, she had decades of family involvement in the America's Cup, during which time she lived in New Zealand, Switzerland, France, and Spain. Now, Christina, you sound like James Bond, not a curator, but we'll learn more about that as we go on says here at the end, great laugh, Red Sox fan. So tell us, tell us how, how Storyboats came about. So uh, Peter Armstrong and I both came on as a new leadership team about a year, more than a year ago. Um, and one of the things that I was really excited about with Mystic Seaport Museum was obviously the watercraft collection, which is beyond belief. And just how everybody's faces light up when they get the rare private tour of our storage rooms um, in the old mill building across the street from the main campus. Mm -hmm. And having grown up on boats, still sailing, I'm actually in the Mojave Desert right now, land sailing, which actually my blow cart, which is my land sailor, is going to be in the storyboat show. Um, there's just so many different points of entry for people to get excited about boats. But having that sort of maritime background I know sometimes if people haven't had that opportunity, it's sometimes hard to connect them to why do I care about boats? So what I saw when I first started going through um, the mill building with like Quentin Snedeker, who you're going to hear from also, and Chris Kosorek and the rest of the team here, um, people just light up when they hear the stories behind the boats about the people behind the boats, you know, what these amazing stories that have helped people sort of immigrate to survive, to make a living, um, but they're just, that's where people get their eyes light up and they want to know more. Christina, how did this all come about? 
So I was hoping to just tweak people's interest and, you know, sort of gauge what the best stories are for the general public. Um, so it was really fun. We did sort of a crowdsourcing to our watercraft committee, to other staff members, and put out an outreach like, what, what are your favorite 15 boats in the collection? So with all those, we kind of compiled a list of these are the most exciting, the most diverse range of watercraft stories that we can show in our 5,000 square foot, brand new, beautiful gallery um, in the Thompson building and really give these boats some, some play. And, um, and each one has a tagline. Each one has a really cool story. And, um, and then one of the concepts I wanted to do around this is that put some strange, unexpected artifact next to each boat. So people would be curious of why is there a wheelchair next to that sailboat? Mm -hmm. And so one of the, so that example is the Vareo, which is FDR's sailboat. Um, was the last he could walk was on that boat. He woke up the next day and had lost the use of his legs because of polio. So we borrowed one of his wheelchairs to have installed next to the sailboat, which just gives people some idea of kind of the humanity behind some of these stories. There is a distinguished succession of boat historians who have supervised the small watercraft collection in the Rossi building. The watercraft triple play Combination has been John Gardner to Maynard Bray to Quentin Snagacart. This group assembled the collection of more than 450 well-preserved examples of American small boat design. We learned about John Gardner as the godfather of the collection. On a fall 2020 stop, we made working on the podcast episode on the Dyer Dow. On our way out to the dock, we found a long shed with a diorama of the Mystic River. This exhibit was there for illustrating the progress of Mystic Built, the long historical trail of traditional boat building on the Mystic River. On the wall on the left, as you enter, is a plaque bearing words that the storyboat exhibit fully embraces. Our good friend Peter Taylor reads Gardner's words right off the wall. The way to preserve small craft is not to embalm them for static exhibit or to tuck them away in mothballs but to get their reproductions out on the water, use them, wear them out, and replace them anew. Treated in that way, small craft are immortal, or as near immortal as anything can be. Historic small craft are for the young and old and the in-between. They are to use and enjoy, and to pass on for future generations, to use and enjoy, ad infinitum. Preservation through use, in the long run, that is the only way. The plaque continues to tell the gardener tale. The gardener on the wall spent 26 years building up the small craft program at Mystic Seaport. He held the first recreational boat building classes in the country and taught thousands of people the basics of traditional boat building. He used the boats in the museum's collection as a study resource, took their lines and built reproductions. See in the photo, the shop where the work was done, from gardener to Bray, to today. He advocated preservation through use and initiated the idea of a livery program where visitors could use the boats on the river. Again in photography, see tradition bobbing at the dock waiting to be used. Through his more than 800 published articles and six books, he introduced people around the world to the pleasures of traditional small craft. In the call with curator Brophy between my Manhattan and her Mojave, 
we explored what we mutually saw as the logical connections between iconic boats, their stories, their myths, and the lessons of watercraft for all of us. We were embracing the spirit of Gardner. Now, tell us your favorite. That's a good question. I would say, I'd say there are probably like five or six that all kind of rallied for first place. But the cool thing is, is that so many of these boats have a bunch of stories and we kind of chose one for each one so we could kind of highlight something. But there's so many layers to so many of them. We could have chosen one out of five stories, 10 stories. So, um, but some of them are just remarkable. I mean, one of my, one of my favorites really is the Ana Luisa, which was a boat built in Cuba, um, took off from Cuba towards Florida. Um, they were picked up by a cruise ship mm-hmm. and then, and the boat was just left floundering around. And a second group of people trying to immigrate to the United States, their boat was falling apart and breaking down. They happened upon the Ana Luisa roared up her engine and made it to Florida. So there were, as Chris Kozarek likes to say, which I think is a great line, wow. but there are two two groups of people on the same voyage who never met um, and made it to the, the United States. And some of those survivors from that trip have done oral histories and given gifts to the museum in sort of honor of that boat that saved their lives and brought them to freedom. And so some of those will be on display as well. So a lot of cool stories. Now, we were talking about the fact that, you know, you had to have a lot of ideas for moving the seaport in, in a new direction. And I'm just curious, what are some of the other aspects of the program that fit in with, with this with this particular exhibit? Um, well, some things. Well, we're trying, what I'm trying to do with every major project at the museum is that things sort of beget one another. Like there's no one and done anymore or, you know, um, that mm-hmm. everything has some lasting history. So even with storyboats, all the hard work going into it, a lot of those stories will be integrated into the new watercraft hall um, in the coming years when okay. that opens to the public. So a lot of those, a lot of this work we're doing now will still be, we'll have a second life, third life. Why do you think this excites people so much? The question we ask visitors in the exhibit when they come to see us is, what's your story? The whole title of the exhibit is Storyboats, The Tales They Tell. And we ask people when they leave, what's your story? And if they still don't quite feel a connection through the boats that we're showing them, we have the little toy boats you can go make, go down to the livery and take a boat out on the water. Um, You can have somebody captain a boat in one of our beautiful cat boats you can go out on the liberty and have a little powerboat river tour you can take out a little dinghy and go rowing so there are ways to make your own story at mystic seaport museum which is what we're hoping people will be inspired to do when they come see the ex- exhibition i had a lot of questions but i also had a lot of mojave desert breeze in my ear so the answers of storyboats are still there to be discovered Here in the gallery for episode 22 are some of the vessels that will be on the Mystic Grounds beginning May 28. You can go onto the Mystic Seaport Museum website for more details at any time. But let me run through a few entries with my own personal favorites. Acadia, a local Stonington-built boat with a local sailor, Clay Burkhalter, who engaged his famous uncle, Rod Johnstone, to make him a craft 21 feet long for racing from France to Brazil, solo. Ana Luisa 
How do you and your 18 companions get to the U.S. from Mariel, Cuba, in a very sturdy boat and with a lot of good fortune? Ooh, how about Whistling Wind, an arrow ice boat from Lake Hapatgang, New Jersey. I've been there in Iniscal in a windy Eastern E Championships. In February, it's hard water sailing, the fastest boating known to mankind, ice boats, up to two times an America's Cup foiler. Then the combination of ice boat and dirt bike called the blowcart. Remember, Christina Brofoot owns one. L. Francis Hershoff's dugout, an elegant early 20th century adaptation of native canoe style by the son of the legendary Captain Nat Hershoff. The Patsy Green, a husband and wife duo paddle to Canada from New York in open salt water in their custom canoe. That's a trip. And of course, if you dipped into my podcast episode on the origins of the Boston Whaler, you know my fascination with the myth of the Whaler. It's all in a fascinating book we found called Unsinkable. But here in the show, we have three examples of Whaler lore. First, the Steinbeck Boston Whaler. The Whaler's model that the Grapes of Wrath writer treasured in fishing and gunk hauling in eastern Long Island, alongside the original 1956 13-foot whaler, along with the, quote, half-whaler. What is that? It is what it is. Halves of a whaler. The ingenious Madison Avenue ad that says unsinkable, an ad in which the craft was sawed in half and kept on floating. And there are a dozen other priceless examples of classic North American native watercraft design. Again, it'll all be on the Mystic Seaport Museum site. Crystal Rose, the curatorial professional charged with delivering the nitty-gritty details of the show, finalized that lineup of a dozen and a half unique watercraft. Christina and Crystal's partner in the venture has been Quentin Snedeker, the longtime guru of the watercraft collection, who took up the mantle from the 70s stewardship of Maynard Bray and John Gardner before him. Quentin knew where all the boats were buried, literally in hundreds of thousands of square feet of storage space. From his graduation from SUNY Maritime and his initial captaincy of the Mystic Whaler, a well-known private vessel taking guests out in Black Island Sound, Quentin has racked up nearly four decades devoted to the care and feeding of traditional wooden boats. That means projects as small as the Whitehall Rowing Skiff, to the renovation of Plymouth Plantation's Mayflower II, and the refloating of the seaport's own Charles W. Morgan. Using the expanse of the Thompson Exhibition Building's arching structure, the team makes full use of the grand volume of the hall. Some of the lighter vessels will fly suspended from the ceiling, like Laser Number Zero, donated by designer Bruce Kirby, currently displayed in the museum's ticket lobby. See the photo in the gallery. Other craft will be on the gallery floor and some on the grounds. For example, the exhibition team places FDR's wheelchair alongside his 1914 main knockabout, Virio. It was there, sailing in Campobello, that the president learned of his disability with polio. 
The chair signified the dedication he maintained to his sport of sailing. In part two of Story Boats, the podcast, we chat with three of the sailors behind the boats. All of them had traits in common. They were solo sailors. They all had a dream. And they all, given the choice, would be, do nothing but mess around in boats. Here's a sneak preview. Come back next episode for their exclusive interviews with conversations with classic boats. Our first interview was a Southeast Connecticut native, Clay Burkhalter. Clay is the adventurer we know the best from our sailing in his home port of Stonington and eating in his local eatery, the Dog Watch Cafe. We watched Like Huck Finn back in 2005 as Clay enlisted the design expertise of his uncle Rod Johnstone to construct a so-called transat boat, Acadia. This is single-handed sailing across the Atlantic, in this case France to Madeira to Brazil. Fifteen years ago, water ballast and enormous sprit-launched spinnakers were the new, new thing. See the gallery with clay in full sail. The photos show a 21-foot wedge-shaped J-boat, tricked out with single-headed gear. I remember in inspecting Acadia way back when, with my friend Clemwood, owner of Atesian, the rebuilt IOD we featured in a Conversations podcast. Not much wind, but we got the idea. This was far from Slocum in the spray. This was a high-tech, ocean-going jungle gym. Clay got his rigorous pre-race qualifiers done and went on to finish a very respectable 13th in the 2007 Transat. My middle interview was Steve Callahan, the subject and well-known writer of a book called Adrift, 76 Days Lost at Sea, a New York Times bestseller, featuring his survival in 1982 of a sinking at sea off Spain and a subsequent two and a half months at sea alone in an Avon life raft. I was reminded that wandering the sea alone, by accident or purpose, can be a literary spark for many. Steve had given Mystic a collection of materials, including recent oral histories, that will be available in the exhibition. His special artifacts include what he told me were his four requirements for sea survival. Pad and pencil, rope and knife. The original Avon raft is now property of the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem, Massachusetts. But those artifacts convey his MacGyver style and ingenuity and speak to the drama of mankind at sea, working with and against the elements. We have Steve Callahan's life raft. He wrote this fabulous memoir called Adrift about his 76 days afloat at sea on a, a life raft that really only has a lifespan of about 30 days. Yeah, we'll and he be, kept it we'll together. Be, with uh, like, we'll be interviewing Steve in, in the coming week here to, to, to appear on the podcast. So that's quite exciting. Yeah, if you haven't read Adrift, it is a fantastic book. And he is like MacGyver before MacGyver. I don't know how he did this. I mean, he lived on like, spit and glue to put that boat back together um, over and over and over again and managed to survive. And so we have um, not the original life raft because that is, you know, they, they degrade 
So we have a model of one that people can climb inside, but we have his artifacts attached to it. So a compass he made out of pencils, his original drawings he made. And um, and I just bought a model of a Dorado, which tortured him during the whole trip. But we're also his saviors in some senses. So we just got this really cool Dorado model that we're going to hang next to the life raft. My third and final voyage maker had by far the most technical and exotic craft. Dwight Collins had a childhood dream to cross the ocean. He wanted to row. But here, he did it in a highly unusual way. Pedaling. In my discussion with Dwight, the former Navy SEAL showed a steely precision with his recollection of his 41-day episode and an ongoing reverence for the designer of his craft, the late Bruce Kirby. Bruce pulled out all the stops in designing a combination of vessel, drivetrain, and propeller to create a watertight, bright orange platform that Collins propelled from Newfoundland to Plymouth, England. 41 days. For those of you who have pedaled craft off a boardwalk of a seaside pond or some amusement park, imagine keeping it up for 20 hours a day for six weeks. We can only imagine the questions and looks that Dwight fielded in his field testing off the Neroten Yacht Club in Darien, Connecticut. What is that thing? It's a pedal boat. Where are you going? Across the Atlantic. Right. There are other big ideas associated with storyboats. In each case in the exhibit, the watercraft itself is accompanied by artifacts that speak to the voyage. They're intended to immerse the viewer in the situation of that boat. Christina Brophy extends the invitation to all, to the viewer, to participate. And a return to publishing is another central theme of storyboats. The objective will be to restart the academic publishing engine at the museum. There'll be topics that are the basis of scholarly research to fill out the stories of these craft. There's a plan to reissue the 1970s vintage Mystic Seaport Watercraft, a 396-page tome that I have worn out as a research source. The final attraction of Storyboats will be the Seaport Museum's glossy souvenir book. It will contain the photo gems of the exhibit. You'll get it at the bookstore or online. So come to the show and get a free Conversations with Classic Boats postcard specially marked for storyboats. It's a collector's item. Remember, the show runs May 28th to August 14th in the Seaport's Thompson Exhibition Building. Get information on the Conversations website and the Mystic Seaport Museum website. What else can you do to get ready for storyboats? Like I always say, subscribe to the Conversations with Classic Boats podcast and give it a review. Five stars, please. As always, you can find us on the website, conversationswithclassicboats.com, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe if you haven't already, and tell a friend or two. Read the WinCheck article on storyboats on the WinCheck website. Then you'll be prepared. And see Mad Martha and her latest creation in the Team One Newport Conversations with Classic Boats shop. 
This will be making its debut very soon. Martha takes time to say hello from the behind the mountains of embroidery required for the gear for the upcoming 2022 Bermuda race. She's always there at team1newport.com. And view the new Conversations with Classic Boats Instagram. We are collecting a growing mountain of maritime photos. So once again, listeners, thanks for listening. We have a boatload of people to thank for these two episodes. Our thanks to all the participants at Mystic Seaport Museum. The staff, especially Senior VP of Curatorial Affairs, Christina Conant-Brophy, Quentin Snedeker, Crystal Rose, and Sophia Matsis. Everyone was so generous with their time and access to the MSM resources. Thanks, as usual, to Peter Taylor for his narration and photographic savvy. A multitude of thanks to Chris Freeman for believing in the power of the podcast. The message on behalf of the curators and the gallery group, our podcast sponsor, is visit, visit often. Hear the boat's tales. Tell your own stories. Remember there is wisdom in boats. Let them tell you. This podcast was written by Tom Darling and produced by Griffin Bengraff, with special input from Jason Moraz. Remember, the 2022 boating season is starting. Take care of yourself and someone else if you can. Fair sailing, Tom Darling. And we'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. And we'll all